And the preacher said, amen, two times. Amen and amen. You guys sound great today. Um, I have a little soldier here. I want to, I'm glad somebody put that up there for me. There's these, uh, there's a box out in the foyer with these little toy soldiers that I used to play with when I was a kid. And, um, we put those out there so that it might remind us to pray for those that are in the military and serving us so well. So if you'd like to pick up one of these and put it on a windowsill, we have a couple at our house in different places. I have a few in my office just kind of sitting there. And when you come by and maybe get a drink or wash your hands, maybe you can see that and you can simply pray for those that are fighting for our freedoms even today. And so I'd encourage you to pick those up. Looks like the, the box is about empty, so we're going to have to hit some more, and we can do that. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Sound great today. Well, after giving a woman a full medical examination, the doctor comes to her and simply gives her the uh, the prescription for her medicine, and he gives her the directions or the dosage that she needs. He simply says, take the green pill with a large glass of water first thing in the morning. He said, I want you to take the blue pill with an extra large glass of water at noon, and I want you to take the, the red pill at night before you go to bed with an extra large glass of water. Well, a woman's a little fearful of that, and she says, well, doctor, what, what, what's really wrong with me? And the doctor simply said, you're not drinking enough water. <laughs> I wonder how much we are missing out on of what God is offering us to drink. I often wonder that in my own life, and, and, and when I look at that sometimes, I find myself a little dehydrated, spiritually speaking. Every time I become a little dehydrated, spiritually speaking, I know one thing for sure. It's not God's fault. It's always mine. But oftentimes, I want to kind of excuse that and put it on someone else. It kind of goes like this. This kind of fits the stage. I thought this was kind of cute. I'll just read it because it's a little lengthy. But nonetheless, it says, Cliff, while flying a hot air balloon, realized that he was lost. He reduced his altitude and spotted a woman below. And he, he yelled out and he says, Excuse me, ma'am, can you give me some help? I promised a friend of mine that I'd meet him an hour ago, and I have no idea where I am. The woman below replied simply, You are in a hot air balloon, hovering approximately 30 30 feet above the ground. You are between 40 and 41 degrees uh, um, longitude, and between 59 and 60 degrees latitude. Well, you must be an engineer, the balloonist said. Well, yes, I am, but how did you know? Well... Everything you told me, the man said, is technically correct. But I have no idea of what to make of your information. And the fact is, I am still lost. Frankly, ma'am, you have not been much help so far. Well, the woman below responded by simply saying, You must be in management. (laughs) Well, yes, I am. How did you know? Well, said the woman, you don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going. You have risen to where you are due to a large quantity of hot air. (laughs) You made a promise which you have no idea how you're going to keep, and you expect people beneath you to solve your problems. The fact is, you are exactly at the same position you were in before we met. But now, for somehow, some reason, it's my fault. It is amazing to me how quickly it is that we hold others accountable for our problems. We're in a world like that today. We know that. We might see it on TV and through whatever it is that we're looking at, maybe some news or city or whatever the case is, but we often always, we often, I should say, 
we look at it as though it's their fault. It's their problem. It's not mine. I look pretty good. Monday morning quarterback always looks really good, doesn't it? It's real easy to set at a game. It's real easy to watch a game on TV and simply say, this is what I would have done. This is what they need to do. It's real hard to own up to our problems in life. Now, this phenomenon is nothing new, of course. Started in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, and, and Eve, uh, you know, eats of the fruit, and she blames, uh, you know, Adam blames her, and then Eve blames the serpent, and it's been going on ever since. Well, even way over into the New Testament, in the book of Romans, Paul addresses this, this personal accountability to the church. And the reason why he does is because they're having a problem. And we have a problem within the body of Christ today as well because we are part of the world. We've been pulled out and set free, but yet we still come in with some of the mindsets of the world because we battle it every day in our lives. So in Romans chapter 3, let me read for you this morning. It says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by and through Jesus the Christ or Christ Jesus. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we believe that, we receive that, and we never sinned again? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, shake your head up and down. I mean, yesterday too, right? So it would be great if we could just believe that and we didn't sin again. But the truth is, we all know that it doesn't work that way. We sin again and again and again and again, and some again and again. So what do we do about that is the question. This is something that we all have in common today. This is a specific area which touches you as well as it does me. touches the leaders as well as it does any of the servants. It touches all of us. So what do we do about that is the question. Is that what I want to address today? Now, we could be like the man in the balloon and blame others, but I can't find that that works in Scripture. Even though the world tries to teach us that it works perfectly fine, or it is okay to do that. But I can't find it in Scripture anywhere. You can't blame others and you can't ignore it. And the reason why you can't blame others and ignore it is because it's deadly. It's deadly. It's a thing called sin. The truth is, the world is in a deadly or has a deadly disease. And it is a thing called sin. And it is, as we mentioned last week, it is fatal for all, not some, for all. That's a sad deal, isn't it? Think about that. It's a deadly disease. Now, as Christians, however... We understand that there's only one cure to that, as we mentioned last week, and that cure is Jesus the Christ. Give me an amen. He's the cure. But in this, as Christians, we also have the disease. But having the disease and now having it is different. We have the disease as well, but we have taken the prescription prescribed by the great physician himself. And therefore, we have been cured of the disease. However, the disease of sin has a way of clinging to us. We get close to the world and sin somehow attaches itself to us once again. Over and over again, we become affected by it. 
directly or indirectly, in our lives. Again, all of us are in this category. God knew that. It's a wonderful thing about God because God knows all things. God knew that. So He gives us, listen closely, He gives us not free life insurance only. He gives us free health insurance. Praise God. And He means it. Big difference. And if we will keep normal checkups with God, the great physician, our lives will continually be cleansed, he promises, of the disease that is doing its best to attack us and defeat us. The problem is, with many Christians, and I find myself there as well many times, is that we fail or refuse to go in for a checkup. Who doesn't like to go to the doctor for a checkup? Anybody? Being honest, aren't you? There's a lot of people out there that don't like to go to the doctor for a checkup, meaning the great physician. They just don't like to go in for a checkup. Now, there's several reasons why a person may not want to go in because they don't really want to find out that they have a problem. Out of sight, out of mind, don't have to worry about it, I'm okay. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. So they don't go out of fear of that. Well, that could be the case for some, of course, and it is. Now, truth is, some may need a few more visits than others. I know it from time to time in my life, I've seemingly uh, stayed at the doctor's office, and I'm talking about the great physician at his feet, saying, here I am again, Lord. I'm back today. Weren't you here yesterday? Yes. I'm back today. Weren't you here just a few hours ago? Yes, I'm back today. Uh, weren't you here just a few minutes ago? Yes, Lord, but I'm back again. Something's wrong. But he's okay with that. So, how do you know when you need a checkup? You normally know you need a checkup when you're not feeling. Something doesn't look right. Something doesn't feel right. Something just doesn't, it's not kosher in your life, correct? Yeah, I'm not feeling good. My stomach's upset. You know, my leg, man, I've got a hitch in my leg and I know what that hitch is and i got to find out what that hitch is. It keeps bothering me. So your wife keeps bothering you until you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I know exactly what's wrong with you. And he, you say, what? And he says, it's a hitch in your leg. You're getting old. That's it, right? That's what happens to me. And Donna encouraged me to go in for checkups, and I'm glad she does. Kind of, sort of, not really, but okay, here I am. In Romans chapter 3, it really tells us, that the, it gives us the key to how to know when we need a checkup in our lives. And these six little words that I've, or these four words here, but it is that we become conscious of our sins. We become conscious of them. Something goes on in our lives. The word conscious means to become aware of, to awaken something in us. Something's awakened within us. There's a feeling of guilt. Some of us call a gut check. Something's just not right. There's a feeling within us that's stirring, some would say. And when we have that feeling of guilt, it can and it does destroy or attacks our confidence in our daily walk. It always does. Because remember, Satan wants to get to your mind. If he gets to your mind, he would destroy your confidence. He destroys your confidence, then you're not going to be successful in your walk with Christ. Know that. All right. Guilt destroys your confidence, but God doesn't want us to live in guilt. Praise God. He has set us free to be free indeed. Give me an amen. Now, you can't be confident. You cannot be a confident person if you have unconfessed guilt, sin in your life. You can't be confident. You feel insecure because you're always looking over your shoulder 
looking for and worried about someone finding out about your life. So it eats at you, and you're always like, oh, here comes the boss, get to work. Boss leaves, push the screen, we're back up again. You're always, you're aware of those. The wife walks in the room, close that channel real quick, real quick about that. That's what we do in our lives. We do that in our minds in all kinds of areas. And we quickly change those channels, thinking that somehow that's okay to do that. Because we don't want someone to find out what it is that we are doing. Now, in this confidence, in finding out about what you're, you've done has made you feel guilty inside. What the world wants to do is this. The world wants to do away with all laws. All of them. Not some of them. They want to do away with all laws. Do you know why? Because it will do away with their guilt, they think. That's why we do that. This doesn't apply to me. Or the law says, it's okay, it's okay. I feel good about myself. The law says, it's not okay. Who? I feel so bad about myself. I do away with the law. I feel good. Hey, I'm feeling good. Everybody feeling good? That's what we do. However, God wants to do something different. God wants, God wants you to deal with the guilt in your life and free you from that guilt. That's the difference. And it's important for us to have that in our lives. There's an author by the name of um, um, Arthur Conan Doyle. He's the writer of Sherlock Holmes. He, this is in the old day. And he simply said he once played a prank on five of the most prominent men in England. You know what he did? He sent him a note, all five of the prominent men in England, he said, and the note simply read, all is found out, flee at once. Within 24 hours, all five men left the country. Think about it. All is found out. What if somebody sent you a note in the mail that just said, all is found out? What would you think? Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe they know that. Maybe they know that. Maybe they know that. I don't have anything to worry about. Or do they? Or do you? See how that works? It eats at us. Now, guilt makes you live in constant fear of, again, someone finding out about you or about that thing, whatever it is. But even if you're successful, and man, we are experts at it. But because you're an expert in the world does not make you an expert in the spiritual world. You will never become that spiritual expert. You can strive for it. But in the world, you can become those experts or so we think. And you can hide it from everybody, even the person that's sitting right next to you. And you can, and we've done such a good job at hiding things in our lives that we've even hid it from ourselves. We're pretty good about that. People do that. And I'll show you why in just a minute. However, you can never fool God. How do I know that? Well, Scripture teaches that. Look what the Scripture says. You spread out our sin before you. There they are. Then he goes on to say, our secret sins. See, because we don't mind if somebody knows about our sins. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, remember? We don't really have a problem with somebody knowing about our sins or if they find out about those sins because then the the gig's up. So we're like, oh, yeah, okay, I did that. Right? Everybody with me? The secret sins. 
So what we do is we normally give enough information to get us out of that guilty feeling. Teenagers do it all the time. Let's see, mom and dad's approached me, grandma and grandpa's approached me. Okay, what can I do to get out of this? Because I know if I tell it all, I'm really in trouble. So let's go to this level. Ah, we know better than that. So they go to the next level. We know better than that. Go to the next level. So they will take you just about as far as you can go, and they may not ever tell you the bottom line until the 30 years old. And they just say, you know that time back in such and such a time? Anybody been there, done that? Anybody do that to your parents? Yeah. You spread out our sins before you, our secret sins, and you see them all. God sees all things. You know what guilt is? Guilt is, it's a call from God to come clean. It's a call from God to say, come on in for a visit. It's time for a doctor's visit. You see, even if we're successful in hiding again, God knows about it. He desperately wants, this is what God wants. You may think as a teenager that your parents want to punish you, and they might punish you, and rightfully so. Discipline you, rightfully so. But in that process, as adults, we think the same thing. But what God wants to do is He not doesn't want to punish us, He wants to bless us. But a punishment might be necessary to get the blessing to us. Somebody needs to write that down, because that's pretty good. He desperately wants to get the blessing, but he is prevented. He's prevented not because he's not powerful. It is because you are unwilling to deal with it. I want to hide this one from you too, God. Guilt damages. It damages our relationship with each other, and it damages our relationship with God all the time. So what good does it do for me to admit my sin, someone says. Well, Dr. Jeffers, he says it this way in a book, and I'll just read the, the, the caption here. Until we're willing to admit our failure, we cannot profit from our failure. And that's very true, isn't it? Until you're willing to admit that you have a problem, you can't deal with it. The alcoholic can't deal with it until he addresses it. I'm an alcoholic. Now we can deal with it. And that's what God wants for our lives. He's saying, I know what's going on in your life, but you haven't allowed yourself to come clean with it yet. It either works for us or it works against us. Now, the same thing is in our sin in our life. The first step in making your sin work for you instead of against you. You can make your, you can allow your sin to work for you. Really. See, in our sin, what we do is we run out and do what we want to do. We have this feeling, oh, this is great. And then when it's over, ooh, guilty. But now that sin can do something else for me. It can work for me. And what that is, is it can work for me because it stirs enough within me that I'm now willing to confess that to God or others when I need to. Admitting sin allows you to receive God's forgiveness. How good is that? Admitting it allows you to receive forgiveness. It allows you a cure for your disease. How good is that? Admitting it. I have it. Augustine said it this way. said, God only gives to those whose hands are empty. What's in your hands today? See, only when you are ready to empty ourselves of the denials, for our failures, our sin, whatever, 
will we be in position to receive God's great, wonderful thing called grace? Simply put, you admit that you have a problem and you are ready to take the medicine that will ultimately make you well. And that medicine is God's great, big, wonderful dose of grace. God's grace is available. You have to be willing to take it. But before you take it, you have to admit that you need it. That's the way it works. God only forgives, and I want you to know, I've said this many years, probably all that I've been here, almost 20 or over 24 years now, but God only forgives to the depth in which we ask or confess. Let me explain a little bit there. God only forgives to the depth in which we ask and or confess. What we often do is we simply say a cover prayer. I'm doing a prayer class upstairs on Sunday mornings. And I appreciate those who were in class this morning. And I know uh, Janice, I think, is doing a class on Wednesday night on prayer uh, with the kids. But in this process, what we often do is we have this cover prayer. We simply pray a simple prayer. And I call it a cover prayer, and it's, God, forgive me of all my sins in Jesus' name, amen. Anybody do that? The rest of you need to say one right now. But okay, but but we do that, and we some somehow by doing that, that it causes us to feel much better about ourselves. By doing that, we often are trying to cover up the things that we know that we are doing that is not right And what we're trying to do is put it in a nice little warm blanket, pull it up over us so we can sleep good tonight because it's helped my conscience. That's a fact. I feel much better now. For all my sins, Jesus' name, amen. Now, that's good because there are sins that we will never know. David calls, "Let, let me see them, show them to me, point them out, pull them out of me so that I may confess them, so that I may bring them because there's sins within our lives that we have suppressed so long or we may not even be aware of. But often we try to cover them up with that nice little warm blanket. That's what politicians do. How do they do it? They pass a bill. What do they do? They slip in a little thing or a bunch of little things or a whole bunch of little things called riders or pork in the middle of the night, and somehow they say, they'll never notice. He's the Lord. This is great. That's what they do. We all know that to be true. That's why they slipped them in there, thinking, hey, we got us covered. We're covered. They're okay with that, because look at this bill. What about all these riders? Don't pay no attention. That's what we do in our spiritual lives. If you go to the doctor and you say, I have a hangnail problem, and you don't tell him about the severe back problem that you're having problems with, you, he may clip your fingernail, but you will leave with a severe back problem. That's what we deal with. The difference is, however, God knows all your sin. All of them. He is waiting for you to admit them. Admitting your sin is the beginning for you to receive the prescription for your healing. Admitting it. In your life. Isn't that awesome? I think it is. When you go to the doctor, he will normally ask you something. Now, I've known my doctor for over 
right at 25 years. He's a, he's a great man. I think he's a great doctor. I trust him totally. He's a good friend of mine and he's a good Christian man. And when he walks into the office, when he walks into that second waiting room, everybody knows the second waiting room, right? When he walks into that room and he says, hey, Harley, how you doing? He shakes my hand. How's Donna doing? He always asks those questions. How's things going for you? How's the church? Boy, you guys are adding on over there. Looks like you guys are doing something good. Now, what can I help you with today? Every morning God wakes you up. Would you please remember that he is saying, with the, with the sun coming up, what can I help you with today? Oftentimes, the problem in our lives is this. We want the forgiveness. Oh, yes. We want the healing. Oh, yes. We want to lose the weight. Oh, yes. We want the disease to be gone. Oh, yes. We want the forgiveness of God, but we want to continue to do what we're doing and not admit that we have sinned. Therefore, what happens? We leave without the prescription. We leave without the prescription that we need for our healing, and we wonder why we are not getting any better. Why am I not getting any better? You are actually choosing, in this moment, you are actually choosing, actually choosing to live in sin. There's a difference between sinning and living in sin. Please understand that. Every one of us in this room, sin. Not everyone in this room is living in sin, choosing to live in it. Because when I leave the doctor's office and I don't tell them about my severe back problem, I am choosing to live in that pain in my life. I'm choosing that. I haven't given him the opportunity to help me with my pain. And I haven't given God permission to help me with my sin because I choose to live in it. And when you choose to live in your sin, you can't expect to get better. Even if you go to the doctor all the time. All the time. How do I know that? Isaiah 59. This one says, but your sinful acts have alienated you from God, from your God. Sinful acts have alienated. That means separated you from God. If you can be separated from God, there must be a way of getting to God. They've, they've done this. Your sins have caused him to reject you and not listen to your prayers. So if your sins cause God not to listen to your prayers, then repentance causes God to listen to your prayers, and now you're no longer alienated. So why is it that anyone would not tell God their sin? To come clean. Because when you do, you are in the presence of God. When it, it is important for us to understand that if you have a, a drain in your house, I just cleaned out one in our house this week. They get a little slow. Anybody, the drain just doesn't drain like it's supposed to. You pull the plug and it's like, you ever, anybody? Yours is perfect. I'm so glad for you. <laughs> well, what do you do? You either ignore it. And sooner or later, if you ignore it, you know what's going to happen. Some sewage water, stinky water is going to come back up in that sink. And all of us go, yuck. That's right. Or you can get the Drano guy out, right? 
Or me, man, I just get the big, just do all the stuff, right? I want that thing cleaned out. And that's what God wants for our lives. And a lot of us walk around with stinky lives because we haven't allowed God to clean it out. Oh, it's draining. That's good enough. Am I telling the truth? Give me an amen. Okay. Hit a nerve somewhere. Let's keep working on that one. All right. If you want a clear conscience between God and man, if you want a clear conscience, you need to come clean is what I'm getting at. You don't go to the doctor and just say, <laughs> you don't go into the doctor's office, spend the time waiting in the waiting, first waiting room, okay? Going to the second waiting room and wait on the doctor to pay the $75 bill. Oh, I got to tell you this one. This is just cracks me up. In my insurance plan, they say I get three. Now, explain this. Some of you insurance gurus, you get three free office visits a year. That sounds pretty good, don't it, you? What does free mean to you? Tell me. Huh? Free means zero. Where I, I went to Eubank High School and I know that. So the nurse says it's $75. It's $75, so it's free. So I called the insurance company and said, oh, anything under $100, we consider that free. What? I am positive she didn't go to Eubank High. But nonetheless, here we go. Where was I at? <laughs> you don't go to the doctor to wait all those times for the doctor to come in and say, oh, I just want to stop by and see how you're doing today. You don't do that. You may ask them that after you tell them that you got a back problem, but you don't do that just to pay the $75, do you? No, why? Because you are the patient, patient and he is the doctor. You inform him of your ailment. That's what you're there for. But God is not going to forgive you along as you're trying to forgive yourself through excusing yourself. They do it. The law of the land says it's okay. They do it. Denying or blaming others for your problems, your sin. God cannot forgive you sin, your sin when you have denied having it. But He will if you confess it. Here's the good point. You gotta get all the bad stuff, see? Cause once that drain gets cleaned out, what do you do? Hey honey, this is what I did. Hey honey, come here and look. Watch this. Fill the whole thing up, plug that up, fill that whole sink up with water, and what do you do? You're so proud of yourself, guys. None of you have ever done this. This is what I do. This is what preachers do on Saturdays. I fill that sink up. It's clear water and I pull that plug. You know what she says? Well, never mind. All right. Oh man. Here it is. First, first John chapter one. If we confess our sins, that's the biggest word there is out there about, isn't it? If. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. Listen to me. He is faithful even if you don't confess your sins. But He's faithful when you confess your sins to forgive you of your sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Now, how good is that? That is a God that you want to serve, let me tell you. Not a God that says, now you got to go out and strap a bomb to you. Now you got to go out and do some more work. No, we have a God that says that if you come to me and confess your sins, I am faithful and I will forgive you of all those and all these and all of those and all of them and all of them. Why? Because Jesus gave His life for you. That to me is pretty awesome. And He is a God worthy of our praise. Think about it. 
Now, once you ask for forgiveness, almost finished. Once you ask for forgiveness, the guilt is gone, or hopefully it is. If you've asked for forgiveness, some people have a time dealing with that. Hard time to forgive yourself. But God forgives you. He says he removes it as far as the east is from the west. Now watch. The guilt is gone. Something replaces that guilt. What is it? Well, when you are sick and you go to the doctor, you get your medicine. And what you need, you go home, you take the medicine, you get some rest, you eat your chicken noodle soup, you wake up in the morning, but you have a turnaround moment. Anybody get sick with a cold or flu or whatever going on? And in your life, there was a turnaround moment. They usually just come. And you're just like, well, I had a headache. When did, when did it go away? I, I'm not really sure. I don't, well, at two o'clock I was watching the game and I know it was still hurting, but, you know, I hurt now. Turnaround moments. That's a good title for a message. Somebody write that down and remind me. Turnaround moments. You wake up and you say to yourself, man, I feel a lot better today. I'm back. Feels good. Don't tell my wife she'll put me back to work. I feel good today. You feel happy or joyful. Psalms 30, verse number 5. His anger lasts for a moment. Oh yeah, God has an anger, and it's a righteous anger, meaning it's a right anger. His favor lasts for a lifetime. Weeping may go on all night long. Oh, oh, I'm, oh, I'm hurting. Oh, my pain. Oh, oh, I'm hurting. Anybody been there? A lot of you have. But what happens? In the morning, joy. When a woman has a, a child and, and they, they go through all this agonizing pain and, and they're screaming at their husband and punching him in the nose and everything. And they're just, but when the baby comes, oh my, joy. In the morning. Acts chapter 3, so you got one in the old, one in the new. It says, repent then. And turn to God. The return to God. Repent is an, it's a military term. It means about face. It means your back was toward God. God doesn't want to see your back. God wants to see your face. Yet you ever tell your kids, look me in the eye. You tell them that for a reason. Because in their eyes, they tell you what? The truth. Don't they? How do parents get that? When you were a teenager, you thought you could do that, get away with that, didn't you? My mom can't see nothing. I'll just stand there like this. When you become adult, it's like, I see through them blue eyes. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this today, but whatever. So, <laughs> repent and turn to God. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out, removed, cleansed, and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing come from the Lord. You see, admitting your sin revives you. Revive us again. Fill each heart with us. It revives us. Nothing can zap your emotional and physical and mental strength more than lingering guilt over unconfessed sin. I'm convinced of that. I know I've tried it. And I know many in this room have tried it. It does not work. It will continually eat at you. And that is good. That is good. It means you're still pliable. It means God is working on you. 
But I assure you there is nothing, not a better feeling than a nice cool shower of God's wonderful, amazing grace. Have you gone to the doctor lately? Have you made an appointment to go to the doctor lately? Today I would recommend, I would recommend my doctor, who not only is experienced, oh, but he stands, watch, 24 hours a day, 24 hour a day call. Never takes a break. Always has you in mind, waiting for your call. The best doctor from the best network, a place called Heaven, is available, but there's a catcher. There's a copay. Everybody knows what a copay is, right? Sure you do. Your copay is faith. That's it. And there's some. And God even takes care of that because He gives everyone a measure of faith. Meaning there's something within you that you can have enough of to get it to God, to get your answer from God and your blessing from God, your healing from God, your salvation from God. Someone said this, and I like this, I wrote this one down. This, this doctor is a primary care and specialist all in one. He doesn't send you to a specialist. He's the primary care and the specialist all in one. No need to go anywhere else because he's a specialist in healing and giving life. Healing in what we need in our lives. For Hebrews chapter 4 teaches us that. Let us then approach God's throne in grace with confidence. See, confidence is gone if you have that guilt. But now I can come with confidence so that we may receive, receive from God mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Healing in our lives. What can I help you with today? is a question that God is still calling from the heavens. And He might be asking you today, so listen up. He might be asking you, He might be saying, what can I help you with today? What's your answer? Your answer will determine your outcome. Give it to God. Watch what He does. You see why I say, doctor visits are necessary. Today, he stands ready. You stand willing. Come. Just together, we stand as